0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Chris Florence, who is a film director and producer, as well as a teacher to aspiring filmmakers. Chris, how you doing?
1: Good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and some of the things you like to do for fun. That'd be great.
1: Um. Well, I'm a father of three and... My oldest son is almost ready to drive, which is really scary. (laughs) Um, So I'm still trying to figure that out, um, navigate that in my mind. Um, And uh, I've been married for 18 years. Um, We um, live in Central Florida and some of the fun stuff that I enjoy, I enjoy music and um, I enjoy movies quite a bit just because of what I do, I guess. So those are the two probably main things that I like to do for fun.
0: Love it. Love it. And tell us more about being a filmmaker, what specifically you do and what you, I know you've mentioned some feature films and some documentaries you're working on. So tell us about that.
1: So the feature film that I did was about a year ago and it's in, um, distribution. And what that means is that I have um, a middleman who is out shopping this, the movie around and, um, and so that's kind of where that is. And I think they're actually going to, which is really strange. I just got a proof for like a DVD, which I was like, people still do DVDs. I, I didn't know.
0: DVD so
1: I guess it's, they're going to be selling on DVD. Um, very strange, but, um, and then also, um, what I do for my day job has a lot more to do with, um, like commercial filmmaking than, uh, entertainment, uh, especially being in central Florida, we're not really in the, the hub of, of entertainment. And so, um, we, uh, I do a lot, what pays the bills is like a lot of talking head type stuff. Well, I'll be like, I'm actually going to Miami for a conference and filming that. So a lot of like kind of more boring stuff pays the bills, but then, um, kind of side hustles would be like trying to make a feature film. I've got a couple that I had in production. And then when COVID hit, I had, um, one of my investors kind of, skipped town well he didn't skip town but he lost he lost one of his clients a really big client and um and so I understood that he had to kind of bow out um and it's kind of goes with the territory you get that a lot and then I'm working on two documentary films one with funding one without funding which we're working on funding now and uh and so just Anything that kind of inspires me and is creative is really what gets me out of bed in the morning. I guess um, where you can kind of build any world that you can think of. That basically you're only limited by your own imagination. And um, then some of the other stuff that I'm doing um, is I'm working towards uh, building a course for other filmmakers to basically teach them how I produce my film. And I produce my film without having to raise any funds. And that's usually the hardest part of making your first feature film is, it's the chicken or the egg kind of a thing. It's like, well, I can't get funding for a feature film because I've never made a feature film, but how do I make a feature film if I can't get funding for a feature film? (laughs) So you end up trying to um, do a lot of like begging, um, try to crowdfund, all those different kinds of things. And some people can do it, But it's not easy, they put a lot of work into it. And I find that funding it yourself is probably a better solution, especially for your first one. And then you're not kind of taking someone else's money and potentially either losing it if they're expecting a return on investment. Um, And But if you're doing crowdfunding, a lot of times it's just kind of a donation kind of a thing. And so, um, but I think that if you can prove that you can produce something that's of value, and that is coherent enough to be able to put that movie into a distributor's hand that they say, yeah, I think I can shop this around. Then it's much easier to find an an investor going forward. So uh, my course is going to be centered on that step of the journey, which is I haven't made a feature film, but I want to make one, but I can't raise the money. What do I do? So that's kind of what I'm working on now. So yeah, lots of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you kind of skimped over your, motivation a little bit could you elaborate on it
1: the motivation of just um anything that's creative you're saying you want to talk yeah. about creativity
0: motivation of anything creative but also just generally what gets you up and keeps you going in life every day
1: um i think being able to create and not feel inhibited i think is really what is kind of what drives me i mean there's definitely it kind of comes in different um a different levels. so you have like there's like a creativity that you do for work and then you have a client or a boss that says now you have to do it this way and it kind of sometimes circumvents like kind of it kind of makes you and it's hard to describe it's it's demoralizing in some ways where you feel like you've kind of poured your heart and soul into something specifically like you're like i really feel like this should be done this way and that could look different for a lot of different people in different industries. It doesn't just have to be in creativity. It can also just be in processes or the way that you kind of go about doing things that you've learned over time, what works and what doesn't. And you're like, well, this is what works. But then you have a boss that comes along and says, yeah, I know that that's you think that that's what works, but you got to do it this way because this is what the manual says, or this is what the higher ups tell us we've got to do. Even if it's not, a job they've ever done before in their life, but yet somehow they know better than you <laughs> what works and what doesn't. And so when it comes to creativity, that kind of thing kind of carries over. And, and so, since creativity is very subjective um, in, in many ways, it's even though there are like rules of thumb and there's be- best practices that you can follow with regards to like, you know, color palettes and all these different things in, in art it's still very much subjective and so I might see think something as beautiful whereas someone a client might come along and say I don't like that um, and they may not even have an artistic eye for whatever it is that that you're that you're creating for them um, and so um, what I really love is uninhibited creativity where you kind of um, are that's what I really like about like narrative film is that it's one of those kind of art forms where you have like a collaborative thing. So that's a little bit different. So when you have like, you have two different camps, in my opinion, you have the collaborative and then you have the more like boss versus employee mindset where one person always outweighs the other one. And there's no real collaboration. It's just kind of like, this is the way I say, do it now, do it. Um, and so, but with a collaborative, you have a a group of people who all bring their own experiences to the table and they say, you know, I've tried it that way and it didn't really work or I saw where um, there was a write up about doing it this way and telling the story in this way that people didn't really resonate with it, like uh, the just the general audience and we're, we're wanting to take this piece and put it in front of an audience and we want them to when you want it to resonate with those people we want them to enjoy the ideas as much as we're enjoying the idea. And so when you're doing that in a collaborative nature, I feel like there's a there's a lot more life in that than there is in the employer-employee relationship. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like a lot of W-2 workers out there can vibe with that in some way, shape, or form. So thanks for sharing that. And it's also like, I'm a big advocate of that collaboration over, um, you're my boss. You're telling me what to do just because I'm like, I have something to add here. And if you're muting that out one, like, in my opinion, you're kind of a small minded person that I don't want to talk to, but (laughs) two, it's just feels disrespectful to me. And so I'm right. You're right about that.
1: And I think that there's not as much buy-in for on your part, right? Like if you're being told to do something a certain way you're not able, like sometimes, because I have worked for employers, not not, not a whole lot. I've, I've been my own boss for a lot larger portion of my life than I've worked for people. And the reason for that is I also almost felt like I cared more about the company than they did. And sometimes I'm talking directly to the owner of the company and I'm going, you know, I've tried this this way. It does not work. And they're like, well, I don't care if it doesn't work. This is the way you do it. You know, and it's just kind of like, and it kind of tears me up inside to think that I'm doing, I'm being forced to do something that I know could potentially hurt the company rather than help the company. And, and then your, your buy-in starts diminishing and to, to the point where you feel like you're really just punching a time clock. You know what I mean? You're not really looking to grow with the company. You're not looking to be loyal to that company you're just looking to get a paycheck. And if that just means that you ride the time clock without innovating, without you know, coming up with any more efficient processes, being able to do a job more efficiently where maybe the job normally takes eight hours doing it with a particular you know, skill set, you're able to turn it into like four hours. You know? And rather than be reward, rewarded for that as a W-2, most of the times you're punished for that. And it, it's kind of strange. I don't know w- why that exists in our world, but it does.
0: Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I have no answers I was literally I had that sort of like I'm being punished for working effectively exactly not not too uh not too long ago so anyway um well awesome man tell us about your dreams goals and vision for your life
1: um I my one of my well my, my main dream I think is to um just be able to successfully have well I want I want my kids to be I want my that's like kind of like my number one thing it's like if my kids grow up to be well-adjusted human beings and they are um they're they basically my legacy right like if I don't if my children end up becoming you know in and out of the prison system or whatever and they're not contributing to society but they're actually um they're actually kind of becoming more of a liability society I think that that I hadn't done my job and so if I can't if I can't secure that legacy it kind of doesn't really matter well whatever else I'm working on in life all that is kind of like it's kind of like the hinge the door it's the, the hinge on the door is like your legacy is the hinges and then the door is whatever you're working on that might take you away from that legacy like you know spending more hours than you really should have in the office or what have you but being able to take that time and be able to vote it to your children. But it's a very, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a balance, but I I've had, I've had people who have worked for me before that are um, um, I've had like internship programs and I've, I've only had a chance of in, of one, having one intern and the interns actually doing the the job that, that he interned for with me, which I really found that a lot more gratifying than I expected. And so I really feel like um, I know I'm not that old, but I feel like people that are half my age that are just getting started. I, if I can somehow contribute to them getting to the next level, you know, like you talked about, you're trying to get out of W two and you're trying to become, you know, I don't know if be, I don't know if you're think 10.99 or whatever, you're trying to basically become your own boss, and if 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 like I was able to help you get to that stage, that would be like very fulfilling to me. So um, that to me is really, and that's kind of why I started like building the course that I'm building right now. Um, and then um, we're, one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the documentaries that I'm working on right now has to do with cancel culture. And, um, and so, and, and the effects it has on comedy. And so I'm interviewing a lot of comics. And so I'm finding it very rewarding to be able to, to take something that's affecting a particular industry and basically shedding light on it and saying, what are we gonna do about this? Like, is there something that we can do to, for this to change? Um, because I, I fear that it could end up having negative implications down the road on comedy. And so a lot of times when we're dealing with these comics, they kind of look at us like I I interviewed um, Jamie Kennedy and he was on, I don't know if he's, he's, he used to be a lot bigger back in the like the nineties and two thousands than he is now. Um, But he was in scream and a couple of other movies. Um, Oh, he was Malibu's most wanted. I don't know if you ever saw that movie or not. Uh, It's an old movie, but um, maybe some of your listeners seen it, but, Anyway, Jamie Kennedy kind of looked at it. It's a little strange because he didn't really know what our, his our motivations were, and a lot of comics are that way, especially when you start dealing with people who have become very successful in their careers. And so, it's like it's kind of kind of sad that that they're always having to kind of watch their backs. And so, you know, I'm being able to um, to basically convince them, hey, we're for you. We're on the same team we want to see you success, successful, we're not trying to hurt you. And it's so hard, I think, because of the way that media has, has become just very, just creating hit pieces that are basically destroying people's lives. And I, I, want, I want to build a legacy of, I'm not destroying people's lives, I'm actually trying to help build better lives for people. And so, and that can look so many different ways. That's the greatest part about that kind of motivation is like, if I can, if I can teach another, you know, I had a, another film student that he's actually at FSU, um, studying film right now. Um, this is his sophomore year. He had to spend last year because of COVID, um, his freshman year at home, but, um, When I first met him, he was like 15 years old and he made he'd already made like a short film. And I just really was like, man, it's amazing, dude. So I had like this old kit of lights that I wasn't doing anything with. And I just was like, hey, this these are like old school lights. So they get really, really hot. They're not LEDs, but I'm not really doing anything with them. Do you think that would be helpful to helping you make more movies and stuff? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I just gave him those lights and so, you know, being able to, to say that I had, I, I was able to have like kind of a, a hand in the success of other people, I think is really what excites me a lot. And being able to do it through creative, like through like movies and through different ways of being creative makes it that much better for me.
0: I love that. I love that. And so your dreams and goals and vision for your life are surrounded around that legacy that you create with your family and your kids and then continuing to have a hand in the success of other people through creative means, whether that be your course or the documentary about how cancel culture is affecting comedy and all that stuff.
1: Exactly, exactly. Awesome, man. I know that was a long trail to
0: get to that. (laughs) You put it (laughs) a lot more succinctly than I did. (laughs) No, no, I love it. I love it. I love that's what you're going after. And I think that's where you get the most fulfillment, you know, when you are giving back to other people. So that's fantastic. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people you could meet right now, and this can be a specific person or a uh, type of person. And these people would help you take the next step towards really getting your course out there and reaching as many people as you want to reach, as well as just continuing to help people. Who would these people be and how would they help you?
1: Hmm. Man, you should have like sent me that question earlier. <laughs> that's, that's a very deep question. Um, I would say that the type of person that I really would like to meet is a connector. Um, you would mentioned a type of person. So instead of saying, I mean, I, I guess you could say that most people who have, who've kind of gotten to a certain level in life would be considered a connector, but there's a specific type of person that they're just very good at connecting people with other people. And, um, so if I can meet a connector that, that has, that's like a, a has a connection with my audience that I'm trying to get my course in front of, then I would absolutely love to, to meet with them. And, I would love for them to just say, just connect me with the right people um, so that, you know, I can kind of get in front of the right people, I guess, because you're always kind of like two connections away a lot of times from, from being able to, to achieve big, big things, like you said, like next level things. And so it's always kind of like, you're always looking under all these rocks. And um, a lot of times those connectors have already looked under those rocks and they know exactly where to go and where to find them. And so did that answer the question? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Dude, that was a fantastic answer to the question. You know what? The purpose of this podcast is to actually bring people on and have a bunch of super connectors is what I like to call them. Listen to the show, hear your dreams and goals, and then connect you to who you need to connect with. There you go. Perfect. You're around. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man, you're around episode like, I don't know, like 103, 104 or something like that. And so, dude, by the time this podcast comes out, there might be some people listening who can do exactly that for you. So that That's awesome. crazy.
1: That's a lot of episodes. How long have you been working on it, on this program?
0: Yeah, I've been doing the podcast since March, but I got really consistent and kind of insane with it within the past seven, eight weeks. And I decided to go daily with the podcast. And so I've been recording 10 to 15 episodes a week to ramp up to daily. And around December 24th is when we'll start posting daily. And so, um, yeah. That's exciting. We only have 23 out right now, which is like a lot of people are like, well, you don't have that much. But I'm like, but I have like 80 more recorded. (laughs) So (laughs) That's crazy. So that's going to be a lot of editing for you, I guess. (laughs) You know, I don't edit the show. Really? (laughs) 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 I um it was stopping me from recording because I was like ah editing is gonna be so much work I'm just not gonna do it and I'm not gonna be consistent with it so I was like what if I just didn't edit and what if the only thing I had to do was record the show and I actually read this book recently called Who Not How and it talks about like when you're procrastinating the reason you're procrastinating is because something inside you is rejecting the activity that you're trying to do and what you need to do is find another person who actually loves to do that activity and partner with them. Hmm. And so like for me, it's like when I have the means to hire an editor, I'll hire an editor. My podcast will be a higher quality. But until then, I'm not going to let it stop me from putting the content out. And the same thing happened with like shooting off DMs to potential guests. It's like I hired a VA and now she does like the DMs because I was like, that's going to stop me from being consistent with the podcast. So it's
1: awesome, man. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and
1: so you're trying to go for, I'm going to reverse the interview. Um, so you're trying, you said you were trying to go from the W two to a coaching and a who, not how method of coaching. And when you said that, I wasn't exactly sure what you meant. And I don't know if you can explain that to me or not.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. I can absolutely explain who, not how to you. It really is that, um, Finding your genius zone and like, what are you best at? What are you passionate about? And what is easy for you to do? You find that and then that's the one thing you focus on. And everything else that needs to be done in your business, in your life, you find who's or just other people in your life who they are best at that activity. And then you partner with them to make it beneficial. So like, for example, if you're a filmmaker and you need somebody to shop your film around, Like you focus on the filmmaking you find that person to shop your film around and we'll do this like everybody does it to an extent for example when we need plumbing we hire a plumber when we need some electricity issue in our problem to be fixed we hire an electrician but when it comes to like business and our personal lives and ways that can skyrocket our wealth and time freedom we often neglect strategic partnerships and becoming specialized in something so we can help others and be the who for others, as well as recruit who's for us to kind of work into our systems and build this machine of genius zones that produces beautiful results. So yeah, that's That's interesting,
1: because like, I've tried to do like with my course, I, I've tried to do that with I, I, I'm literally, if somebody says, Hey, I want to message you, I will not say no. Like, I want to talk with you in in message. I won't say no to it. I'll say, yeah, okay. I don't care who they are. Even if I'm like, ah, they might be a scammer. I don't really care. I at least want to hear them out. And then I'll try to sort it out later. You know what I mean? And so I had a guy reach out to me from Cambodia and he wanted to like, get on WhatsApp with me. And I was just kind of like, I don't know if I want to give this guy my phone number. Cause I'm like, what if he's just going to like start spamming me with all kinds of texts and stuff. But I'm like, I said, I'll give you my phone number. Just promise not to spam me. And he was like, Oh, I'm, I won't do that. So we got on the phone together and he just gave me so much information about like affiliate marketing, which I already knew about affiliate marketing, which is basically kind of the idea of the who, not how, in, in kind of like a very um, tangible way. It's very, it's a very tangible form. And so I have been looking for someone who's willing to be an affiliate for my course. I've gotten so many people who are, who have reasons why they don't want to do it or they don't have time to do it or whatever. And I've been trying to find that exactly what you were just describing. I don't, I didn't call it who, not how, but I do understand the value of that concept. And I know things that I absolutely hate. I can identify them without any hesitation. And I actually said that online today in a group that I'm a part of in this, when I'm doing this course with, and I said, running ads, to people to find my course, I hate that process. Like I am not a technician. I'm a, I am ai like to create stuff. I don't like to look and sift through numbers and look at data. I'm not, that's not what gets me out of it. And I know that, but I can't find anybody to do it, to join with me, to do a strategic partner with me. And I'm, I'm offering them like, hey man, I'll give you 40% revenue on every single course that we sell. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to ask them to do something for free, you know what I mean? And so I think that that's a great concept and I think it works beautifully as long as you can find the right connect connection again with people that have the skill set that you're looking for. Most of the time people just want to do the W two thing and they just want to be an hourly. And it's like, bro, I'm offering you something way better than that. You realize you can like make exponentially more
0: by helping me sell the course. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, you know, what's you know, what's funny. The book actually talks about this very problem. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's going to be a key piece of the coaching. Sometimes you have to find a who that can find the who's for you. So like you said, that connector, <laughs> <laughs> the connector, yeah. We're Back to the connector. It's like, if you're not passionate about finding those who's and that's not your genius zone, don't do it because there's there somebody you know. out there who loves to do it. And so all you need to do is find that one person. And I can almost promise you there's a service out there, or there's somebody out there who has formed a business around doing exactly that. All you have to do is find them. And then it's yeah. like, then it's the matter of looking at the money that you pay them as an investment. So let's say you have to pay them $200 a month. Well, if that $200 a month produces $2,400 a month in revenue from your course, yeah. it's beautiful. I don't care. You yeah, know?
1: I'll do it I'll, all day long. And I know they can't really guarantee that $2,400, but if they can just at least say that this is kind of the ballpark range. I'm okay with even a ballpark range. I'm even okay with him saying, if I give you $200, I can give you $400 a month. I'm like, okay, I guess yeah. so. That's fine with me, you know? Um, but to me, it's just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think that that is definitely a skill set, and, and I, I have, I I've met people who can call anybody whether they know them or not. And that person will pick up the phone and they will set an appointment with that person. I don't know how it's like some sort of a thing that, they have like some sort of weird attraction that people sense or something that they're like, Oh, I want to talk to this guy. Like yeah. he, I think he could kill, he could literally call up the president of the United States and say, Hey, I want to have lunch. And he'd say, okay, what day are you good? You know I mean? It's just like, and he, what's crazy is like, he's had so many opportunities And he blows them all the time. And I'm like, bro, if I had your power, (laughs) I'd be unstoppable. But like, I get people who are just like, they don't want to talk to me. They just want to like, hang up the phone immediately. You're doing, you said you're doing cold calls, right? Yep. And I mean, that's the life of a cold caller is like, you call, you know, call a person and they just ever just want to hang up on you. Are you that kind of person that people are like, hey, I want to talk to to Timmy?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
1: man. (laughs) So what am I doing wrong, Timmy?
0: <laughs> uh. Uh, nothing. It's just not your genius zone. And so the beautiful thing about who not how is like when you see that cold car, you're like, dude, your life kind of sucks right now, but I see what you're good at. My life kind of su- su- sucks right now. And I know what I'm good at. Like if we partner and we put what we're both good at together, like he sets appointments for you. You compensate him well. You get paid well. It's like everybody like makes money. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. it's like, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, we might have more conversations after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure, man. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Uh, Next question we have for you is what's the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you out with accomplishing your dreams and goals?
1: Mm. One or two things that like when you say people, what do you mean by people?
0: Everyday people like your next door neighbor, the person you see in the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Hmm. Sometimes I the balancing the work the work life is tough. I, sometimes I wish I had like my wife just started working again um, after raising our kids. Like all the kids are in school now, so it's like she was like, "I want to go back to the work world." And I was like, "That's fine with me." Um, so sometimes I get stuck. Like if a kid's at home sick or something like, it'd be nice to have like, "Oh, I gotta go." to an appointment, you know, and it's like, oh, well, can you come watch my kid? But also being able to, uh, to trust that person to watch your kid is a whole nother story altogether. But just assuming that I can trust that person. Um, I do have a mother who has been fantastic in that area. Um, and then I think if I had people, I'm very hard on myself when it comes to, being either successful or whenever I do fail because I I was before we started this we were talking I was talking about failure and you know I've been through a lot of failure um so it's kind of like my a friend I used to know was a wakeboarder I don't know if you um where do you
0: live Austin Texas
1: oh so you're in Austin so you guys do wakeboarding over there I was like I know they do it up north but it's more like snowboarding and stuff um but he was a wakeboarder and he worked for he was actually a professional wakeboarder, like in the entertainment space. And he, and he was, I was telling him, I was having such a hard time learning how to wakeboard. And I'm like, it just hurts so bad when you, when you crash and like you hit the water so hard. And he's like, dude, basically he just kept saying that um, falling down and hitting the water is in that pain that you feel is just fear leaving your body. And I was like, (laughs) so I started thinking about that concept for a while. And I think that's true. Like, and just in life in general that, and i it's so weird because he told me this probably like over 20 years ago, he said this, and I still remember it. And I can't remember what a lot of people said like a week ago, but he said, um, failure is just fear leaving your body. Um, and so the more you can fail, the, the more fearless you become, I guess you could say, because you're like, I already did that. I survived it. And there's no big deal, you know, in the end. And so, um, I think that, um, if I could have like somebody, not a yes, man, cause I don't want to surround myself with yes, men, but somebody who would be willing to like, to encourage me whenever I'm at my lowest point, if I could just have somebody just be like, you failed, that's okay. You know, we all fail. And how are we going to make sense of this? How are we going to learn from this? How are we going to like move on from this? You know, kind of a thing. If I had somebody that, that I could just that just appeared at the exact perfect moment. I think that would be like huge because I wouldn't dwell on it for, for a lot. I'd get over it a lot faster. And I wouldn't dwell on that, that failure as much and think of like, if I would have done this and if I would have done that, and I probably could have avoided it. And it's just like, you got to move on. You can't dwell on those past mistakes. You got to just learn from them because if you don't learn from them, then you failed twice. So And you also could potentially fail again in the future by basically making the same mistake. So I think that um, if I had somebody like a a, like a hype man, maybe it'd be a hype man or something like that, you know, where he's like, you know, just telling me all the things that I could I I needed to hear in order to not be so hard on myself. That would be really I don't know if is that answer your question or not? I don't know.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, that's sounds like you just need um, two things, a community that does that for you but also like a coach or a mentor that you like go to consistently so um there you go and just friends like good friends that do that and that's kind of ties into the community but um
1: I do have friends that that do that to an extent but sometimes when you're I've always heard that you're the sum of like most closest friends Mm -hmm. um in terms of your level of success and so if you have losers as friends then you're not going to be very successful because they'll just kind of drag you down (coughs) but sometimes um sometimes i i do feel like that i don't have loser friends i just have friends that are like have different aspirations in life and so they don't we don't always kind of mesh so some Friends I have that are very successful are just happy being W twos. A good be a example. But I'm not a W two. And so sometimes they don't really understand what I'm going through because they've never gone out and tried to do something on their own. They've always just had a job, I guess you could say. But you're right. I think I do have I do have a, a friend or two that I could definitely talk to. Um, but yeah, anyway. That's, that's the best, that was the best answer I could come up with.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So a community to support you, coach, mentor, hype man. And what was the first thing you said about your time and your family?
1: If I had somebody that could potentially help me take care of family that I could trust, so that if I had a job I had to go to, or I had an important meeting that I had to go to, then I could confidently leave my children. If I'm watching my kids with them, that kind of thing, I think could be could be really helpful because i i think the work i heard something before we got on here today and it was talking about if the if you're if you're a man and you're the primary breadwinner of your home and you're home a lot now i don't think what he meant by that was you work from home because i do work from home um have a home office before it was cool before covid and so um he was saying i think if you're home a lot which means you're not working and earning a living but you're also the primary breadwinner. He says, you're in trouble. And so he was basically talking about like the fact that the hardest part about being a father is that you can never be 100% there because you're providing, you know? And so it's not, sometimes I feel like I, I get guilty. I feel guilty over not having that time with my children, but it's like, but if I don't do this thing, then they're not going to, I'm not, the power is going to get turned off in the house, you know, that we're not going to be able to go get gas in the car, like all the things that they depend on for me to be as a provider. So it's always kind of like a, it's a, it's a balancing act that I think anybody who can, who would say that this is the secret formula is full of it because I think every family's dynamically different and they all have their own needs. I think having a father who's present in the home is very important. Don't get me wrong, but I guess when it comes to the level of presence that are there, as long as it's not unhealthy, um, there's like a spectrum, if you will, of healthy. And as long as you're kind of falling within that spectrum at some point, then as a dad, you should never feel, um, guilty about not being there for the kids. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a job come up that I have to go to Miami for in next week. And my wife was saying, well, our daughter has a Christmas program that she's singing in. And I, and I'm like, I have to go to this. I have to go to this job. I can't not do this job because, I, you know, I'm looking at the month of December and we have to hit these certain numbers and this will help us hit those numbers. Um, and so I've been like really kind of beating myself up over that idea of missing my, my daughters and she's eight years old. So it's like, you know, she's old enough to remember that I'm not there, but then she's also old enough to know that I would be there if I could be there. You know, she doesn't, I know that she doesn't think I love her any less because I'm not there, but as long as it's not like this pattern. You know, of dads always missing from everything. Um, I think that as long as 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 um, I know that you've got women listeners here too. So as long as men and women are doing their best to be there for their families, if they have kids or if they just have a spouse or whatever, and they're making an effort to do it, and they they aren't being um, kind of they're not checking out, I guess you could say, and they're not placing that career as ultimate over all other relationships in their lives. And that could just be, and if you're not dating anybody, it could just mean your family, your immediate family, if you have immediate family. Um, So yeah, I kind of rambled on, but that's basically what I kind of meant. I guess I kind of meant by that. Um, And I didn't realize I meant it until you asked to go a little further into it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm glad I asked. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, awesome awesome uh thanks for sharing that and it is a balancing act, act and i've definitely heard you know I, I like to read a lot of success literature because my family grew up in uh a not so good situation financially my parents were never at my football games you know i learned from a very early age to like not expect their presence and to be able to function without it but that is not the healthiest thing as i'm now learning as an adult so um, <laughs> It's like, it's that balancing act, but it's also like, there are going to be some periods in your life where you have to be more in on one thing and then more in on the other in another period. And that's something that's very common in a lot of success literature. Like sometimes you just have to grind and then other times you have to put down the grind and like say no to some work to be with your family. And so Mm -hmm. I think.
1: that another, you succinctly said it again without going on and on like I did. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: well awesome man now we're gonna jump into our thriving three and so the first question is what's your favorite book movie or podcast
1: Mm. my favorite book um let's see actually you know it's funny my favorite book is actually it's not a oh here it is um it's a buddy of mine wrote this book and I read it before it was published called before the vultures wake. And I'm not much of a fiction guy. Like when it comes to book reading, I would much rather read like more self-help, I guess you could say. Um, And the reason this is one of my favorite books is because it was the, the book that kind of, I realized after reading it, that it was, I wanted to make, I wanted to start making films and, and I actually decided I want to make films like later in life. So, you know, I'm 41, right? I'm 41. So, you know, I was like 38 when I decided I wanted to start pursuing feature films. And, um, what was the other thing you asked me? You said the, your favorite book and what else?
0: Movie or podcast.
1: Movie or podcast. Um,
0: It was a pick one scenario.
1: Oh, it was a pick one. Okay, I'm sorry. So yeah, Before the Vultures Wake. There there is a close second though called Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. Have you ever heard of that book? I've not. Reminiscence of a Stock Operator um, is a fantastic book. Um, And it's not fiction. Some people might say it's uh, enhanced reality, but Basically, it's about what happened during the Great Depression and what led to that. And um, there's this guy named Jesse Livermore um, that the book is about who was a a stock trader. And they believe that he was the primary reason for the Great Depression, which I was like, that was very fascinating to to read. Um, So if you get a chance to read that book, I would highly recommend that.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it. What's one way you like to take care of yourself?
1: Which way? I do. Until last year, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was just kind of eating and being merry, you know what I mean? But um, I decided to start trying to eat better. Um, So I I lost 40 pounds last year. And um, I was like, this is the year to get in shape. So I've been um, exercising a lot, like I exercise at least three or four times a week. And I have a trainer so I meet with him once a week and um, I, I keep telling my wife that that's my health insurance because, you know, being a self-employed, I don't really have health insurance. So uh, my health insurance is eating right and exercising and trying to, to stay fit. And uh, hopefully I'll live long enough to see my grandchildren, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Well, awesome. What's one action step you can take right now to get to your highest priority dream, which is either meeting that connector or really getting that course out there, which I guess would also be meeting the connector. So let's just,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm not waiting on the connector. It'd be nice if they showed up. Um, but the, um, I think you have no idea. Like as I've been working on this course, I've wanted to quit like a bunch of times because things just weren't working. And usually it centered around technological issues. Like I couldn't get something to work, um, like doing running ads, like just in the last four days leading up to this interview, like I could not get my Facebook ad to run. I just like, I did everything. I even like rebuilt my entire funnel platform, like to my landing page and everything in a whole nother system. I rebuilt it and redid my ad. Like, it basically put me a week behind of just constant working 10 hours a day, trying to get it to work. And now my ad's finally running. It's not performing as as much as I hope, but it's only two days in. And so I'm asking people who know more about ads than I do. Hey, can you look at my ad? Can you look at my, my landing page, make sure everything on there makes sense. And so Um, I don't know if that's really, I mean, it's hard to really pinpoint what that action step would be other than what I've been doing already. So I am taking those action steps now. Um, But if I was to go further, I think it's just to keep my nose to the grindstone and just keep really uh, sometimes it's easy to like, you're about to round a corner and before you round that corner, like success is on the other side of that corner but you wanna stop because there's something in your way. And so sometimes, a lot of times, we stop short just before the breakthrough happens. And that's pretty common in all areas of life. And so I just keep telling myself how much further till the breakthrough, I keep saying I should have had it by now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why hasn't it happened yet? Um, and so I'm determined to do whatever it takes and so maybe that's my next step is to just continue to cultivate the mindset of whatever it takes to get to the breakthrough. I'm not stopping till I get there. Is that, can I, is that a right answer? I mean, can I say it that way?
0: Yeah, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I have a, I have a challenge for you. I know you okay. said it, that you are asking people who know more about ads than you do to look at your ad and look at your landing page and all that. Have you ever heard about, like, ClickFunnels, Russell Brunson, all that good stuff? I did,
1: and and actually, I have one of his books right here, uh, Traffic Secrets. Oh, I can't get it. Anyway, it's up there, um, Traffic Secrets, um, and I actually had ClickFunnels, and that was one of the – that was the frustrating platform that I told you that I jumped from that platform to another platform because I realized – halfway through my trial period. And I'd already paid for like the first month, but then they said, we'll give you 30 days if you want to upgrade to the next level. And I knew, I knew that unless I started making money that I wasn't going to go pay for the next level. I was just seeing what the tools were. And then two days, three days ago, I realized my trial is almost up. And three days ago, I was like, let me just double check what, like, if I downgrade my, my account, to what I can, know what I can afford, budget wise, what it offers, and all this the functionality that I needed was not in that 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 uh level service level, and I was like, and I was already wanting to move to Kajabi. I don't know if you're familiar with Kajabi or not, but Kajabi um, is a little bit more, but you get a lot more functionality. So it meant that I wouldn't have had been paying for two different platforms. I could just pay for the one. So that's when I took everything. And I had just, I'd spent like at least a solid week, 50, 60 hours building my funnel exactly the way I wanted it on ClickFunnels. I probably talked with 10 or more different uh, customer service reps trying to work my way through it and only to find that the things that I wanted the funnel to do, they didn't have the capability of doing. And I just was like frustrated because I felt like, I came to a moment where I'm like, I feel like this technology is a dinosaur is the way I felt like I'm like, this functionality is not meeting my needs. And I actually said that when I canceled my account, they were asking me the reasons for me canceling my account. And I said, and I hope they're not a sponsor. (laughs) You're like, maybe I will have to edit this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So I, had, I, was, I, I told them in ClickFunnels, I'm like, you guys are falling behind and you're not innovating. And if you don't start innovating, then you're going to start losing out. And, uh, and they asked me, where am I going? I said, I'm going to Kajabi. And so I went to Kajabi. And the way that everything works in Kajabi is just like, it's super simple. Sometimes it's annoyingly simple. It's a little too simple, but they're very new but they're innovating the way that they're doing their, the way that they're setting up, like everything's so difficult in ClickFunnels to find, like the email was very difficult to set up email campaigns. And I know probably most people would just use something like MailChimp or something like that, but I wanted a platform where I could just have it all integrated as one and Kajabi offered me that. And they have something called Pipelines where they have like a landing page and then they set up a whole series of, of email follow-ups. And then you just go through and edit those emails. You can add more emails if you want, but it's just, it's innovative. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I think it was a good move. It was painful to have to like spend all that time and money on ClickFunnels only to end up having to switch to Kajabi, but I'm glad I I did.
0: I feel that. Um... Why, Why did you ask me that question? I, I asked you because I was going to say, how much is that 50 to 60 hours of your time worth to you? Of doing all of that? Like if you So say you're doing 50 to 60 more hours of commercial film, which is how you kind of make your money. How much money would you have made in that 50 to 60 hours?
1: Well, my day rate for film, and that could be anywhere from an eight to 10 hour day, is $1,200. So, $1200 times I guess 6 days is what that. What 7200 or something like that? Yeah. Almost 10 grand is what it cost me to like basically go through all of that and realize I had to find <laughs> <it through. laughs>
0: So that was an expensive the, lesson. The question is, could you have taken $2000 and outsourced that whole process to somebody?
1: Yeah. I could have for sure. No, you're right about that.
0: Who, not how. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. Sometimes it's like, it's hard though, because you're like, well, where's that $2,000 going to come from of like actual real money? But I get what you're saying though. You're right. There's definitely an opportunity cost. And I went to business school. So it's like, that was one of the things that I do remember from business school is opportunity cost. So it is a real thing. Um, but you're right. Like, if I would have instead, have been like handed that off to somebody and said, Hey, I'm going to find a new client that's going to pr- produce $10,000. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I think you get so like in the zone where you're like, This is my goal. And this is what I'm going to make happen. And another hard part about it is that like I have a background in building websites. Like I used to do that a long time ago. So it's like when you've done it, you know, like, I already have the skill set you know, I guess I, you know, but you're right. You're absolutely right. I'll take
0: that. I'll take that L that you just gave me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I have one more question for you and it requires a bit of pretext. So you know how there are some people in life who have a fixed mindset, aren't willing to accept help and aren't willing to accept change. And sometimes they die like that. Mm. And then other times they change to a growth mindset, willing to accept help, willing to accept change. In your opinion, what mm-hmm. is the catalyst that causes that change?
1: The catalyst, I think failure is definitely one of the catalysts that um, changes the mindset for, like once you fail failed at, once you've tried to do it yourself and you failed at it, because I've done this before. I've gone down the road where I made a course. I tried to advertise it and it just went nowhere. Um, and so this time around, I'm like, I'm going to do a course. And I'm also going to, I'm going to buy a course that teaches me how to make a course. <laughs> so it's like this inception thing when I'm, I'm going to buy a course on making courses. And then I'm like you, I was like, I was trying to figure out like, how can I bypass having to do the whole funnel thing and having to do, build the email list? How can I find somebody who already has the people and the audience that I'm looking for and can provide that, you know, for, Hey, um, can you, can provide that, that like actual, um, you know, get me in front of the right audience, I guess is what I'm trying to say, so my son just came in the room, he distracted me, Um, and so um, that's why I've been looking for the who, I mean, you were just saying, like, you got to find the who, and I've been looking for the who, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how, how to basically get that who, so that I can, and I'll do the profit sharing. I, you know, I was actually looking to do like a, a even split with a partner. And then that partner was going to connect me with a connector and they were going to take a split. So it's like, I'm giving up all kinds of splits. And I'm like, I don't care. Cause I'm not greedy. I can, I can, as long as we're doing numbers, I don't really care how much money I'm making on a per user basis. If I'm going to get to my goal, I've got to get in front of the right audience. And so I'm, I'm doing everything that I've, humanly possible possible can do um and i think that that's how you get over that that idea of i can do everything is that you do it yourself you fail and then you're like okay am i going to try to do it again on my own and fail or am i going to find somebody who's more passionate and that's dude i'm the older you get the less resilient you are at trying to do everything on your own i guess is trying what i'm saying so
0: yeah I'm getting there. I'm getting
1: there. I know, I know you just gave me an example of how I'm still not there yet, but I am getting there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. Well, awesome. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was fun.
0: Yeah, no, it was a great time. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Chris had to say, and you support his dreams and goals, make sure to connect him to that connector, spread the news about his course, contact him, see how you can help him, give him any information you have, and you never know, he'll be able to help you um, with filmmaking aspirations or the dude's a wealth of knowledge. He has a lot of other ways he can help you too. So again, as we always ask at the end of every show, send this podcast to one to two people you know need to hear the message, shoot us a five-star review on iTunes, and we're out.